Also this morning when you came, came in, in your bulletin, there should be what we call our uh, circle of eight. And uh, they are filling up quite quickly this for the month of November. We're already on November. And so if you would like to sign up for our circle of eight, it's a casual dinner conversation. It's kind of our small group. Go ahead and fill that out. Put your first, second, or third choice. And uh, you can give that to Pastor Joshua at the end of service back by our welcome table. That would be wonderful. Um, a couple other things that are going on. There's lots of things going on. We got a ladies' night coming up. Just make sure you look in your, your bulletins because there's just so much going on um, here at Vision. So make sure you, you check out all the different things. Um, at this time, if we could draw your attention to the screen, we do have an intro video to our new sermon series. I'm really excited about this sermon series. So if you can go ahead and queue up that video, that would be wonderful. Man, I'm looking forward to eating this chicken. Hey, Dad. Hey, what, Shua? Who those? Who those what? Who those kids over there? Who those kids over there? Yeah. Oh, that's um, uh, what's his name? That's the the one kids. Uh, uh, them Hester kids. Yeah, that's what it is. Them Hester kids. Don't you just hate it when you forget your own kid's name? Can you imagine that there are people in the Bible that are famous and we don't even know who their names are? I don't know about you, but I sometimes have a problem remembering people's names. Sometimes I say, oh, what's his name? Or what's his face? Sometimes you're even kids' names. You get all twisted and messed up and things like that. I do that. So those kids back there are having fun. I'm getting ready to eat my chicken. And I'm about to introduce you to our next sermon series. And it's called Nameless Famous. We'll see you. I know it ain't just Pastor Josh that forgets his kids' names, right? <laughs> I said, my youngest boy, I got three boys and one daughter. I said, my youngest boy is going to grow up thinking his name is Joshua Jordan because I usually hit his two older brothers before I ever get to saying justice. Who else does that out there? <laughs> Man, hey, you know what? What's so cool is that God knows our name, even if no one else does. God knows our name. He knows where we've been. He knows what, he, I mean, he knows us. And he loves us. The Bible says that one day when we're with him, we are going to know him as we are fully known. He knows us fully. And so this series that we're going to be starting today is called Famous Nameless. And what we're going to be talking about are people who are in the Bible who did awesome things in the Bible, but yet their name was never mentioned. And the reason I think it's so significant for us to talk about some of these accounts that we see in the Bible is because oftentimes we get caught up when we're doing something for God, we get caught up in wanting to be known. We want it to be known what we did for God. <laughs> You know, sometimes, you know, if we don't get any props, we'll just go ahead and put that on Facebook for everybody to see, you know. And, and a lot of times in our generation, especially just in the, the generation we live in with social media and everybody's famous in their own eyes, we lose sight in what it means to do things in secret. And we lose sight on what it means to do things only and purely for his eyes only. And there's something that's significant and something that's special in when we do things in secret for only God to know. See, Jesus says this so many different th times. He says, you know, the Pharisees are the ones who pray out outdoors loud and, and for every lengthy for everybody to hear so that 
but they will get their, their props. They will get their reward right there. But you are not to be like that. You're to go into your prayer closet to shut the door, go into the quiet place where no one sees you and pray where the heavenly father sees. And he also talks about, you know, when we give, we shouldn't go around boasting about what we give. Matter of fact, he says, don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, friends. There's something beautiful about going after God and doing things for his glory and for his eyes only. You know, as, as a, a married woman now of almost 15 years, when my husband does something special for me, but he, but it's, just for me to know about, and no one else knows about. There's something even more significant about that. Or my children, when they come home and they're doing something, they did something special for me, and they kept a secret. They kept a surprise for me. You know, mother around Mother's Day, my kids, man, they have a really difficult time keeping surprises from any of us. Not only am I very inquisitive, but <laughs> my children are very, um, hmm, talkative. And so <laughs> it's very easy for me to find out what's going on. But when they do, when they, when they work together to come together, to do something in secret, to do something, to bring a surprise, man, how, how, how special is that? How many of you guys love it? You know, we may all say, oh, I don't like surprises, but deep down we all like it when someone does something significant, when someone does something special and they put thought and care and it's not for the whole world to know, but it's just for you to know. Heavenly father is the same. He wants us to go after him him where it's just about him and no one else it's just about him and so we're going to talk about in the next several weeks a few people in the bible who were famous in god's eyes but yet they were nameless for all of us and so the very first account that we're going to talk about today comes from the gospel of mark chapter 2 and 1 through 12, and we're going to read that together, but I also want to draw your attention to when you came in this morning, you should have received a talk it over sheet in your bulletin. And so if you're one like me who you like to take notes, you can go ahead and bring, pull that out. There should be a pen that's in front of you, and you can fill in those blank, uh, those fill in the blanks with me. Also, if you are new school, like my husband, and you like the technical stuff, you can go ahead and go on your smartphone, and underneath you version, there should be... Um, a live event that you could get into and go ahead and hit that. And that also has the notes. Okay. But we're going to read together Mark chapter two, one through 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such a large numbers that there was no room left, not even an outside door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and they lowered the, mat, lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. <clears throat> this verse right here, I want you to really draw your attention because that's going to be the foundational verse in what we're talking about. Jesus saw their faith and said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Moving on in verse 6, it says, Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He, he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their heart. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know the Son of Man has authority 
on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. There's so many significant things in this passage of Scripture here about what it takes to to be famous in God's eyes, even if you're only nameless to those around you. The there's also what I want to bring to your attention is that there's God wants us in our own life to to seek him with all of our heart no matter what's going on around us he wants us if you will how many of you guys remember the old school saying raise the roof y'all remember that I was a teenager in the 90s if you can't tell okay I'm gonna make you guys all because you guys are looking a little sleepy today put your hands up y'all remember how to do it raise the roof come on even white boys can do this come on raise the roof Woo! come on Oh, look at Pastor Josh. He's got it going on, right? Listen, friends, something that's so awesome is that when the devil blocks the door in your life to get where you got to go, you can raise the roof. You can raise the roof. And this is what these um, friends did. These four friends who did not even have their name mentioned. Matter of fact, the paralyzed man didn't even have his name mentioned either. It was just the paralyzed man's. These friends, these five friends together raised the roof in their life. And what I mean by raising the roof is they raised the limitations that were on their life. And and they removed them to get to where they had to go. The roof represents the limitations that loom over us all. Raise the roof begs we work together to increase our, our potential, our mutual potential. There's limitations that we all have in our life. But when we work together in Christ, friends, we can fulfill our potential. So four keys to raising the roof in your life. Number one, we need to recognize our reality. Can you say that with me? Recognize the reality. See, listen, these four nameless friends wanted their friends to get a breakthrough, but the reality was he was paralyzed. The reality was they couldn't get to Jesus because Jesus came home and everybody heard about it and they were crowding the house. The the door was blocked and they couldn't get through. That was the reality. When the door is blocked, it's time to raise the roof, friends. When we can't get that breakthrough, it's time to raise the roof. When we can't get to where we need to be, it's time to press even further. The friends recognized the reality, but they did not let the reality define their situation. So often when we're in predicaments, we let that predicament, we let that circumstances define us. See, they tried to, the, the man was defined by his circumstance. He wasn't named. He was called the paralyzed man. Oftentimes in our situation, we are defined by our circumstances. Oh, the single mom. Oh, the, the, the man on welfare. Oh, the man who lost his job. Oh, that couple who are just going through it in their marriage. And we're defined by our circumstances. But when God looks at us, he looks past our circumstances to our heart, friends. You may have failed in your life, but that doesn't mean you're a failure. You may have messed up before, but that doesn't mean you're a mess up. Come on, is anyone feeling me today? You may be sick, but that doesn't mean you have to be sickly. Come on, friends. Maybe you've had a hard time kicking a habit. That does not mean you have to be an addict. See, uh, Stephen uh, Confay's book, The Seven 
habits of a highly effective people. He says this, we're not defined by our circumstances, but by the way we respond to them. I say we can go even deep, deeper, and we're not, we're not defined by our circumstances or even the way we respond by them, but we're defined by who God says we are. And that only happens when we get there, when we raise the roof, when we remove the limitations in our life, and we get before the Lord and let him say, let him tell us who we are, friends. If we don't know God, how are we going to know ourselves? See, Paul had all kinds of circumstances in his life, and he says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9. He never let his circumstances define him. He said, we're hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We need to recognize our reality, friends, but moreover, we need to recognize that God who can change our reality. God can change your circumstances. He can change your reality. He can flip things all upside down in your life. We need to recognize him. It's okay to say, you know what? This is the real deal. This is what I'm going through. I'm in a situation, my marriage right now, you can recognize and say, man, it, it needs help. But then recognize God and say, but only he can help me get the breakthrough. Because when we try to do it all on our own, friends, you're going to find yourself frustrated. You're going to find yourself overwhelmed. You're going to find yourself all walking in all kinds of anxiety. God doesn't want that for you. You can recognize your reality and say, you know what? I've got a diagnosis from a doctor that I don't like. I recognize this is not right. This isn't fair in my life. I can't, I can't handle this. But then recognize your God and say, but you know what? God is greater than my diagnosis. Friends, we have to recognize who he is. It's a key to raising the roof in our life. Another key to raising the roof in our life is this. We need to refuse to give up, friends. Say it with me. Refuse to give up. When the devil blocks the door, guess what? Go through the roof. Right? When the devil blocks the, the, the door, then go through the roof. If you can't get in one way, then pray, seek the Lord, and go in another way. Because my Bible says that he's the one who opens and closes doors, friends. Sometimes I think the door is blocked, not just because it's some kind of the, the enemy or our flesh or whatever, some kind of evil circumstance. Sometimes the Lord allows that door to be blocked in your life to see how much you're going to press on anyway and seek his face. See, the woman with the issue of blood, she too didn't have a name. Her name was the woman with the issue of blood. But yet she, come on, right? she pressed through the crowd and she touched the hem of his garment and the power of God went out through Jesus and she was healed and restored friends friends we've got to learn to refuse to give up see these four friends did not let the obstacles stand in their way of victory what what awesome friends they did not let obstacles stand in their way that's what we need to do. We need to not let obstacles stand in our way of victory. Even though they could not reach Christ because of the crowd, they did not give up. The obstacle didn't stop them. They cut a hole in the roof and used a rope to let their paralyzed friend down through the opening. See, now you got to understand, in, in 
the culture and these days, the roofs, um, the houses were smaller and they, they had outside staircases and the roofs were flat. That's why you, you maybe have read in the book of Acts when Peter was sitting on the roof and he had a vision. Okay, you read about the kings when they just went out on the roof. You read about Elijah who had a room on top of a roof. Okay, so the roofs were flat. And so these men did not, these four friends loved their friend enough to see him get a breakthrough. They refused to give up. They climbed up on those outside steps and they went on that roof. And they made a hole for him to be lowered down on his mat in front of Jesus. They had a holy determination. Can you say holy determination? Friends, this is my prayer for the church here at Vision Ministries, that we get a holy determination, that we refuse to give up, that we say, God, I want more of you. I'm tired of being defined by my circumstances. I'm tired of being defined by the community that I live in. I'm tired of being defined by how much money I make. I'm tired of being defined by not having a mom and dad in my life. I'm tired of being defined by every mistake I made. And I'm ready to be defined by you, Jesus. I'm ready to refuse to give up. I'm ready to turn my situation around in you. I'm ready to have a holy determination. When we need a holy determination, then we won't give up until we meet our goal and our dream that God has put in our heart. See, I used to define the spirit of poverty as not living the full potential that Christ has on you. Until one time, the Lord showed me years ago that really the spirit of poverty is not letting Christ fully live in you. We always want to talk about our potential, but friends, you're never going to be able to meet your potential. You're never going to be able to attain the goals and dreams that are on your, in your heart until you let God fully live in you. What we do as Christians is we say, okay, Christ, I'm going to accept you, but I'm going to add you to what I'm already doing. Christ is saying, I don't want to be added. I want, I want you to just, tar- you just need to turn that old car back in and I'm going to give you a whole brand new one. I want you to be transformed. You see the difference, friends? The spirit of poverty keeps us from letting him fully in. And so therefore, we'll never walk in our full potential. Friends, there's so much wasted potential. So much wasted potential. God wants us to be in excellence. He wants us to to live in excellence. Excellence honors God and reflects his character. But so often, we are so stuck in our circumstances. We're so stuck in in our own reality that we uh, give up. We give up, and when we give up, we won't get our breakthrough. We say, oh, well, this is just the way it is. No, friends, it doesn't have to be. If it's just the way it is, why is it that there are some people that have the same circumstance as you? Maybe they also were born without a father in their life. Maybe they also had generational poverty in their life. But yet, instead, they let God come in, take authority over their life, have complete control, and now they're living a successful life in Jesus. Why is it? Oh, well, they just had better luck than me. No, friends. How about they just fully surrendered? Friends, we've, we've got to get to that place. We've got to get to that place where we stop making excuses. We stop justifying our own sin, and we say, God, I just want you fully. I can't do it on my own, but I know in you, Christ. See, we are his workmanship. We are his work of art, but we've got to let him be the pot, he is the potter and we are the clay. But so often we're trying to be the potter of our own life. We're trying to mold our own life. We're trying to fix it on our own. And listen, some of us with the stronger wills, like I can relate because I, I'm the type of person, when I see something wrong, I try to fix it myself. 
And I have to step back and say, God, man, I see this mess. And this mess is really making me mad because I don't like a mess. I'm going to ask my kids when I come home and Shua's been watching them. I don't like a mess. <laughs> but listen, sometimes we got to step back. We got to step back and say, okay, God, I see this. I recognize my reality and I refuse to give up. But God, I can't do it on my own. I can't do it on my own. I need you, Jesus. I need you to come fully live in me. Break the spirit of poverty off my life. Friends, I don't care. There's people who have a spirit of poverty that, have, that, that live in the nicest neighborhoods that make six figures, and they still have that spirit of poverty, that entitlement mentality. And it needs to be broken, friends, because God wants to fully live in you so that you can live your full potential in him. Fulfilling a dream often does not come easy and within the realm of the conventional. Sometimes to attain our breakthrough, we must do the difficult, the unorthodox, the costly thing. Are we really wanting a breakthrough? Do we really want the breakthrough in our life? Do we really want the breakthrough in the lives of our friends and families? These four friends of this paralyzed man wanted the breakthrough so much, they did the unorthodox thing. They did the thing that, that, that was unusual to get it. They were good friends. What kind of friend are you? What kind of friend are you when you see your friend going through things, you just say, you know, that's okay. Brother, that's okay, sister. I'll pray for you, but then go about our merry way and never even lift them up. Come on, how many of us have been guilty of that? I'll pray for you. Just kidding, not really. That's why when people ask me to pray for a man, I need to stop right there and pray because if I don't do it right there, sometimes I forget. I get busy in life and circumstances, and I forget. Friends, we've got to be a people of our word. We need to be better friends. We need to be better friends. We need to not give up on people. You know, that's something that's been hard. Sometimes it's real easy to just want to write somebody off when they do wrong. Well, they're never changing, just forget it. But see, Jesus left the 99 and he went after the one, the one lost sheep. Jesus didn't give up on people. He had compassion and forgiveness. Friends, we have to not give up on people. We can't. You know what? That doesn't mean that we have to chase them around, but pray for them. Seek God's face. And if God tells you to do something, if God tells you to go to your paralyzed friend who's stuck and can't move out of their situation, maybe then you need to go to him. If God speaks it to you, then maybe you need to do it. Because you know what? There's too many of us that are paralyzed spiritually. We're frozen. We can't move forward. We're stuck in the same monotonous cycle, the same cycle, the same cycle over and over and over. I I try to give up on this habit and I'm right back to it when I'm frustrated. Same thing over and over. Friends, God wants us to be there for people, to help them refuse to give up. Who are you believing for? If you're not believing for anyone, friends, that's sad. God wants us to believe for people. He wants us to refuse to give up for ourselves and he wants us to refuse to give up for those around us. It's the key to raising the roof in your life. Another key to raising the roof in our life is this, to receive your breakthrough. It's simple. Sometimes we just have to receive it. Just receive our breakthrough. See, it wasn't the crippled man's faith that caused the breakthrough. It was his four nameless friends. Isn't that interesting? If you read what the scriptures, it said that Jesus looked at their faith 
talking to the four men and said, because of your faith, your sins, and then looked to the paralyzed man and said, your sins are forgiven. See, friends, sometimes, parents, it's your faith that's going to get that son and daughter back where they need to be. Sometimes, wife, it's your faith that's going to get your husband back where he needs to be. Sometimes, husband, it's your faith that's going to get your wife back where she needs to be. Sometimes, it's your faith that's going to get your friends where they need to be. Sometimes it's your faith that's going to position those around you to be in a place that they can receive their breakthrough. Because it was the faith of the four friends that climbed the roof and lowered the man down on a mat that positioned him in a place that he was able to receive his breakthrough. Sometimes we don't receive our breakthrough because we're not positioned well. We're saying, God, I need this and I need that and I need that and I need this. But we don't position ourselves to receive it. It's like a farmer who wants some awesome harvest, but he doesn't put any seed in the ground. Oh, God, give me this awesome harvest, and I'm praying, I'm seeking, and I'm even toiling the ground, but there's no seed in it, friends. Friends, we need to position ourselves in a place to receive the breakthrough. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you are not surrounded with people that will help raise the roof in your life, then you're going to be stuck in just where you're at, man. Our friends, our, the people, our community around us defines us. You, you, you know, if you grew up with an old school mom like mine, mine, you probably heard the saying, birds of a feather, what? Flock together, right? Or even more old school like Josh's mom, don't lay down with dogs unless you want to get. Right? The Bible says it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, friends, when I got on fire for God, when I was a 19-year-old young adult at the University of Toledo, praying and fasting, I didn't have Christian friends. I'm like, I need to find some Christian friends. I joined the gospel choir. Y'all don't want to hear me sing just to find Christian friends. I was lip singing like Millie Vanilli Boy, like, and they loved me because I had smiled and I was into it, but I just couldn't sing, you know. But I found Christian friends. <laughs> I'm serious. I was desperate for community. And I was praying and fasting when the Lord led me to this church. And I remember my dearest friend, Laura, was interning. And I came into the church and we used to have these um, bleacher seats. And I remember, I think I was sitting up there in a bleacher seat, and I saw her come down, and she was talking about interning. And I was like, look at this young woman, like, you know, giving up her summer to, to like, serve the Lord and, and give it all. And there's just an automatic connection. And I didn't even know that she was praying at the time, Lord, I need a friend. And I, I do not think I would be where I'm at today if I did not make a good Christian friend right away. One that I could have community with, share my problems with, listen to her problems, pray together, memorize scripture together, witness together. We were hardcore for Jesus, picking up prostitutes, telling them about Jesus, witnessing the drunk guys. We didn't care. We were hardcore for Jesus. That was our pastime. That was our fun time. I positioned myself in a way that was going to lead me 
to grow in Christ. Friends, oftentimes we don't position ourselves in a way. And guess what happened? What I had to do in that place, I had to give up friends that were saying, come on, Joy, let's go to the club. Because one time I said, okay, well, you know, I'm going to just go ahead and go to the club. I'm not drinking and I'm not, you know, doing drugs. I'm just going to go to the club to go out and have fun with my friends. And I'm in there, you know, doing my, my, my thing. And <laughs> I had a woman come up to me and said, I thought you were a Christian. What are you doing in here? And I said, well, I am a Christian. You know, I'm just out having fun with my friends. But, boy, I left that place, and I thought, oh, man. I messed up my witness. I didn't position myself in a place. And, it, and you know what? I was... You have to listen to God because there's friends, there's our Christian friends in the cover team that go into strip clubs, okay, but they're going in with a purpose to rescue people and share the love of Jesus. I wasn't going in there to witness, friends. Oh, well, Jesus would be in a bar, yeah, leading people back to him, not getting his, his bump and grind on, okay? <laughs> I wasn't in there leading people to Jesus. I was in there thinking I was having fun, trying to, have, trying to be friends with people that weren't about the same thing I was about, friends. And I think it was God's grace that made that woman say to me, I thought you were a Christian, to make me think, how am I living? What am I doing? If people look at me, can they see Christ? Or they think, oh, I don't know about her. Look at, look at her. I thought she was a Christian, but look what she has on her Facebook. Look at what she's talking about. Look what she's dressed like. Look at what she, listen, yes, there's judgmental people, but friends, the Bible says we're to live above reproach. We've got, we've got to take it, we've got to take it up a step. And the way we're going to take it up a step is we position ourselves in a place that we can receive our breakthrough. After that, I said, never again. I'm not going to the bars. I'm not going to the clubs to have a good time. Even if I'm not drinking, I'm only dancing and having a good time. I'm going to, no, I'm not going to do it. Never again. I'm going to position myself in a place that I'm going to receive my breakthrough. I'm going to receive the next level that God wants me to go away. And so I made friends that were in this, had the same mindset than I, that I did. Friends, so many of us, and I don't care if you're 19 years old like I am or you're 59 years old, if you don't have any Christian friends in your life, friends, it's going to hold you back from being where you want to be. God wants us to have community. And our community oftentimes positions us to that place that we can receive a breakthrough. Because sometimes in ourselves, we get so frustrated that we say, forget it. And we need someone to come around us and say, no, man, you don't need to forget it. You don't need to give up. God's not done with you. It's not over yet. That's what the four friends did to the paralyzed man. He said, it's not over yet. Jesus came back home. He's in town. And they picked him up and they walked and they carried him. And there, there was Jesus, but they couldn't get through. They couldn't get the breakthrough because the door was blocked. And they said, we're not done yet. Come on. That paralyzed man was laying there frozen, couldn't even get his breakthrough. And they said, I'm going to position you in a place that you're going to receive your breakthrough. Friends, we need friends like that. And guess what? All of us need to stop being selfish right now and thinking, oh, I need friends like that. And we need to think, I need to be a friend like that. I need to be the person that's going to pick up the mat for that person in my life who is frozen, with, paralyzed with fear paralyzed with regret, paralyzed with bitterness, paralyzed with addictions, paralyzed with, with woe is me. And I need to pick them up and say, I'm going to position you. I'm going to bring you to the place that you can receive your breakthrough. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to encourage you daily. I'm not going to give up on you. I'm going to believe for you that you're going to be in a place. We're going to position you in a place that you're going to receive from God today.
think about it for a minute. These four friends were hardcore, okay? They're going to see Jesus, who is a rabbi who, who has uh, even those who didn't realize that he was the Messiah. He was a highly positioned uh, place of respect. And Jesus was his home, and they decided, you know what? We're going to tear up his house. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine a hole in your roof? Because they heard this about Jesus. They heard he was the one who would leave the 99 to go after the one. He, they heard he was the one that said, the sick, don't, uh, the sick is the one who needs the doctor, not the healthy. I'm here for the sick. I'm a great physician. They heard that Jesus was one who sat with sinners and tax collectors. And, and, and they heard that Jesus was the one that, that would heal and deliver and set free. And so they did what it took. They were hardcore. Friends. These nameless four friends had the audacity to believe Jesus. When he, believe his words of hope, of restoration, of redemption, of forgiveness. They were willing to go the length that other people would regard as questionable to get the breakthrough for their friends. We need to receive our breakthrough, and so we need to position ourselves in a way to be able to receive it. We need to go the length, friends. The next key that I want to talk about today to raising the roof in your life is reveal who the Lord is. See, once we position ourselves to receive that breakthrough, once we refuse to give up, once we remove every single limitation, once we recognize our reality, we need to reveal God for who he is. See, the paralyzed man needed forgiveness even more than healing. Why do I say this? Because Jesus implies this by addressing his spiritual state first. Before he ever said, get up and walk, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. Oftentimes, friends, we come to Jesus thinking we need his hand for something. We need a breakthrough in our finances, and so we come praying to Jesus, help pay our bills, help us get where we need to go. We come to, to, to Jesus seeking his hand for our marriage is a mess, or our children are, 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 are this, or we're about to lose our home, and we come seeking his hand, but he says, I want you to seek my face. I want you to seek my face. I want you to let me reveal myself to you. And this is what Jesus did, because you know what? There was the haters in the crowd, and there always are, right? The ones who thought they knew the law better than God, and they said, who is this man to forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. And, and Jesus said to him, what's easier to say your sins are forgiven or say get up and walk. But just so you know that I have authority to forgive your sins, get up and walk. Because Jesus revealed his deity in that instance and said, I am God. And that's why I'm saying I forgive your sins. But just so you know for sure, get up and walk too. You're healed as well. Because God, the most greatest healing that we could ever have is that of our soul, friends, when we're, 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 when we're born again. When that was dead in us is now alive, friends. That's the greatest miracle that we can have. And oftentimes, we're coming to God, and, and Pastor, Pastor Earl used to call them crisis Christians. Oftentimes, we're coming to God in a crisis. And that's when we're seeking them. But he's saying, you know what? I'm greater than your crisis. I'm greater than your circumstances. I want to get down to the real you. I want you to know who you are in me. And that's only going to happen when I reveal myself to you and when you allow me to reveal myself through you. Come on, friends. God has taken us to a deeper place. He's taken us to a deeper place. 
We need to seek not just the hand of the Lord, but we need to seek his face. Matthew 6, says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus wants us to know him. He wants to be revealed through us and to us, friends. We've got to get to the place that we say, I'm going to raise the roof of my life. I'm going to remove every single limitation. And I'm going to say, God, have your way. Don't, be, don't quit on me yet. Come on. God is a, the same God yesterday as he is today. And he still has hope for us today, no matter what your circumstance is. He wants to reveal himself to you and through you. Will you allow him? Will you position yourself in a place? Will you receive your breakthrough? Will you refuse to give up? Will you recognize Jesus is greater than your circumstance? And would you allow him to reveal himself to you? Because maybe, he will, just maybe, there's something even deeper than the physical need that you have. And maybe there's a spiritual need. I guarantee you, friends, it's almost always that way. If you would stand up on your feet with me. Jesus, can we just get quiet before the Lord for a minute? If you would just close your eyes and bow your head, just seek him for a second. God, you're so worthy. You're so good. There's no one like you, Jesus. There's no one like you, Jesus. Jesus. There's some of you in this place today that you know what? You've been in denial and you need to recognize your reality. That's step one, friends. We've got to recognize our reality. 